Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Second Line studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, it's been a minute. Chuko All-American is here to touch on every single thing that we would like to talk about with Early Signing Day 2020. Chuko, how are we doing? Hey, I only uh, reach out to you to podcast after something really cool happens, and uh, I think we have I think we have cool stuff happening. I was going to say you're you're batting a thousand in your most recent <laughs> podcast appearances. So, um, That's right. so yeah, uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, the class right now, um, looking at uh, trustyrivals.com, is sitting at 18th in the country. Just first impressions, uh, we obviously both have a lot of thoughts, but just how did you think they closed? What did you think of the hall? And, um, you know, kind of just your overall thoughts and and, and just, just fire away at me. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's a tremendous success. I am elated. Uh, you know, I they missed out on a few guys, but whatever. Like everybody misses mm-hmm. out on, on some guys. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. But if we think about like what was the worst part of the team last year, undisputably it was the defensive line, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't want to hate on the players and all that kind of stuff, but like it didn't work. And, uh, and this defensive line class is great. And then, you know, they still have the opportunity of getting Taiwan Malone in, Mm -hmm. in February, uh, who I'm sure we'll also talk about later, but I mean, they got the two best junior college defensive linemen in the country. They got, uh, Talik Robbins, uh, and you know, then they have some defensive ends that are maybe a little more projecty than yeah, they might have they're, hoped. They're but, big, though. That's the yeah, key. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and they don't uh, they don't seem to be slow, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's just going to take a little while. But that's okay. I mean, I think that even if this defensive line is close to average next year, this team is totally different and a ton better. Absolutely. Yeah, because the the linebacker struggles this season have been evident. I mean, the whole defense has struggled for the most part of the year. They've they've shown some signs. They've created some turnovers here and there. I think they've slowly gotten a little better as the year has gone on with, Mm -hmm. you know, embracing the new system. And, you know, I I told I told everybody in the Slack channel and, and talked to you about it with just the amount of coaching that goes on on the sideline. I had the opportunity to be down there for the Egg Bowl and it's not for lack of effort like not even a little bit. I mean, the coaches are just constantly coaching. You know, you know, you've been doing this a long time. There's a difference between yelling and coaching. And it's just, it's Jimmy's and Joe's right now. And they certainly added a bunch of Jimmy's and Joe's in this class. I mean, you mentioned the two Juco guys. They're, in my opinion, day one impact guys. And then the, the high school guys. I mean, uh, if you look at them on paper, J.J. Hawkins, Demarcus Smith, Talik Robbins, um, Big, long guys that that like you said aren't slow. Don't appear to be slow. I mean, they they move well, um, and they you know they have the body of an actual defensive lineman. They're not tweeners. They're not these. Mm-hmm. Well, like if they added fifteen twenty pounds, then maybe no, it's none of that. Like these are we, we've talked about it a ton on the show about how thorough and how selective they've been, and they were able to. Um, get DeMarcus Smith back in this class. He decommitted to kind of rethink some things. JJ Hawkins stayed firm. And then, um, the Juco guys were, were big gets. I mean, Isaiah Iton, um, you know, Alabama came after him late. Tennessee tried to flip him, uh, the night before signing day. So this is, this is big. And then 
staying on the defensive side, I, I wanted to ask you about the secondary class because, I mean, it is potentially program-shifting talent that is coming in. Yeah. Right before we get there, let's just let me just also say that like getting those defensive tackles who are true defensive tackles also allows us to be more uh, multiple or I guess reasonable with Ryder mm-hmm. Anderson. I mean, you think about him and kind of having to play pretty out Covering of position. People. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and and how you know there are some more opportunities for him now, which are much more reasonable for him. Um, and I think he's a really good player. So you know, not asking him to do things that are outside of the role he should be filling are you know should should make him him better. Uh, yeah, the secondary it's interesting because I, I kind of feel like the defensive line was so bad this year that. Um, it's tough to really know what we even have coming back. Um, you know, there are there are three players, no, four players in the secondary that I feel confident saying should definitely be on the team contributing next year. Um, and those are Otis Reese, Kedron Smith, Tylan Knight, and AJ Finley. I think past that, like, there are a lot of guys that we just don't really know. Um, you know, like Miles Battle has has some promise, but you know is new to the position and all that. Dean Leonard at times has done some good stuff and he's played a lot, but you know none of them have been like amazing. But it's so hard to cover a guy for seven seconds while the defensive line you know doesn't pressure anybody. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see once that's alleviated, which of those guys that are already on campus look a lot better. But of course, like then you add. Markavius Brown, MJ Daniels, Kendrick Breedlove, Trey Washington, Dink Jackson. Like these are all players, all five of those players that I just mentioned are four stars on some site. Uh, you know, wh- wh- whichever one you subscribe to. Uh, and, you know, adding five four stars to the secondary is not something Ole Miss regularly does. So that's pretty encouraging. And I think that it's a testament to the work of of the coaching staff uh and you know if i'm terrell buckley i'm i'm pretty happy i know that uh devin bush senior also played a part so that's all great to hear yeah and you know a couple names that we haven't talked about yet talking about the secondary um taishim johnson is a guy that committed early kind of got you know lost in the shuffle because he committed in september but i think they're going to count on him to to do a lot of things next season um, I wouldn't say they're going to count him to be an, a starter from day one, but he's going to be a, a dude that's going to be used in multiple ways. And then a couple a couple dark horses that I really like on film, I ca- kept up with them uh, during their their senior seasons. I think DeMarco Williams is a guy that's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, 5'11", 185, but dude plays like he's 6'2", 220. Um, just an absolute just – will come down and strike you and run support. Um, he's a weapon in the return game. Um, but then also uh, Elijah Sabatini, Georgia offered him. Uh, he decommitted. Most thought that he was going to go to Georgia. The Matt Luke connection there. He's from Biloxi. Um, Ole Miss really likes him. And uh, they were able to get him back in the fold. And I mean, 6'1", 195 is pretty tough to beat coming in as a true freshman. So um, a lot of these guys are going to get minutes. Uh, they're going to get a lot of reps. And they're going to have a full camp to uh, – to try to make their case for the two deep. Um, yeah. Also, actually, before we move anywhere else, uh, 
I guess at least as of like two weeks ago, the idea was to start Brandon Buckhalter off at safety and see if he stuck there before before switching him over mm-hmm. to receiver. Um, you know, I who knows if things have changed with them grabbing Marquavius Brown and MJ Daniels, um, and then I guess getting Elijah Sabatini back into the fold, but. Uh, you know, Brandon Buckholder six four. So mm-hmm. uh, ha- having a six four, what is he like six four two thirty or something like that? Uh, he's you know, he's he's probably a little under two thirty. But he, the last time I spoke with him, he said because he's listed at two ten on Rivals, and he made sure to tell me that he's not two ten anymore. Okay, um, okay. So he, so he's big. I mean, I mean that's like Seneca Taylor territory. Like Ole Miss hasn't had a safety that big in a long time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he may not work out there. I, I, I don't really know. But I just know that at least until they loaded up kind of in the last couple of weeks, the idea was to give him a shot there and see what happened. Yeah. I mean, a fallback plan for him to play receiver, not the worst thing. No. He can do that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just an impressive haul. I mean, Markevious Brown is, is, um, a three-star on rivals, but I mean, the offer sheet speaks for itself. He played, um, the one thing that's, that, that stood out to me for him was played a lot of high level football at IMG, played a national schedule, practiced every day with fellow four or five-star guys, um, being, being in Bradenton with that coaching staff and getting that kind of coaching, um, is something that I don't think should be taken lightly. Um, he, he, he's kind of a, I, I use the word mature, with him, he's got a very mature game, um, kind of like a, I wouldn't say old school DB, but he's just like very by the book, like very fundamentally sound. Um, and, uh, you know, only 170, but plays a little bigger than that in run support. So he's not, not afraid to stick his nose in there. All the cliches that come with that. But yeah, I mean, adding Brown and then Daniels, uh, I mean, another guy, 6'3", 190, 195. He's going to be used in a variety of ways. So Terrell Buckley... Chris Partridge and Blake Gideon did a, did an outstanding job adding some some legitimate talent for that secondary because they they desperately need it. All right, so um, we talked about misses. Uh, you know, the three that I think I I, I I think they missed on three. They tried to flip Junior Colson from Michigan. The uh, Outside linebacker from Brentwood, Tennessee, uh, were unable to do that. Now they, I, I want to say they got Jim Harbaugh and them a little worried because the family was listening up until signing day. Um, you mentioned Devin Bush Senior and then Chris Partridge, both former Michigan staffers. I think they played a very pivotal role in giving him a lot to think about in terms of possibly flipping to Ole Miss. Um, outside of him, uh, and look, the the three misses were all flips, so. Not necessarily, I mean, I guess it's technically a miss, but not really by the book definition. Um, the I guess the real bummer of a miss was John Lewis. Um, you and I talked about this when it happened. I, he caught everybody off guard when he committed. Um, there were zero signs that he was going to commit to state. Everybody had him picked to go to Ole Miss. Ole Miss felt really good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of shifted overnight. I think we uh, we can kind of, we don't have to really say what happened to really talk about it, but um <laughs> Uh, that's a good get for Mike Leach. I, I thought he he was a guy that really blew up late and uh, was a really impressive um, player for Germantown as a senior. Uh, made a ton of plays, very active behind the line of scrimmage. So that one that one stung <clears throat> because you'd love to give uh, Dink Jackson another guy at linebacker to go along with with his kind of playmaking 
ability and um you know t- we can talk on dink for a second i, I want to get your thoughts on this uh, for me and you know looking at, at cops you know i like to look at former almost players just because it makes it a little more fun dink has a lot of tony connor in him <laughs> just rangy you know not really thick but just all over the place just really really physical just kind of has that tony connor vibe um i didn't know if you were getting that as well I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because uh, that, what is it, star? Isn't that the position mm-hmm. that we call it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, of course, what Tony Connor, you know, played or would pl- would have played in our in this this defense. Uh, Otis Reese is already there, and uh, you know, doing doing a mighty fine job, uh, or at least in the in the one game we've seen him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dink Jackson. I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a while before I feel like somebody is, is Tony Connor, but certainly, certainly he is that he is very well suited to be a hybrid safety linebacker. And I think that a lot of times when people hear like hybrid safety linebacker, what that means is like not really fast enough to be a safety, uh, and not like good at hitting enough or tackling enough to be a, a linebacker. That is not really the case for Dink Jackson. At least, at least I don't nope. think so. Uh, I no. think that, I think turn, he's turn you know, quite, quite fast and, and pretty big. He's not like, he's not like necessarily, you know, a middle linebacker size or anything mm-hmm. like that. But, but I think that he's plenty big to be able to make plays. Yeah. The, the Tony Connor thing, and, and Tony was a five-star under our All-American, and you know, in my opinion, probably would have gone down as one of the best almost defensive players of all time without the injury. Um, but the 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 thing that 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 made me make that that comparison was if you watch Dink Jackson on film, he's just everywhere around the football. You know, either making the tackle, stripping the football, you know, picking picking a pass off. Um, he's just very heady. Um, as a football player, just kind of like those intangibles that you can't coach. Um, and then I, I want to also, you know, staying on the defensive side, you know, we, we, we talk about, um, you, know, you mentioned Otis Reese and guys that are going to be there that's going to help these younger guys come in and, and learn under those guys. We haven't even touched on Jacob Springer, and he's going to be eligible next season. That's another kind of star, um, you know, strong safety type that's that's kind of that same mold you know not super big you know 205 um but just just makes plays just like that just the guy that's just always around the football we'll actually get to see him saturday i mean i I don't necessarily know that he's ready but the ncaa says everybody's eligible now so he's eligible to play in this game yeah i loved what, what what he did at navy when he uh when he ended up transferring um I like his game a lot. He's just just that dude, you know, it's a lot of cliche and a lot of, you know, the typical metaphors. But, yeah, I mean, just the the nose for the football, just kind of all over the place. Just, you know, it's like that that defensive coordinator, like with like the no, 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 no. OK, yes, yes. Like, good play. Like you're 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 not supposed to be, you know, over there. But then you make the play. Um I mean, they, they just got a lot of guys like that. I mean, Kendrick Breedlove is a dude that that committed early and and a lot of people forgot about um, just, just, you know, ho-hum another six foot one eighty corner. corner um, right. played both ways in high school. 
Um, extremely, extremely fast. Played a lot of receiver. I believe his quarterback name has escaped me, but was Mr. Football for 3A in Tennessee. Um, basically made a living on just throwing the ball to, to Kendrick a lot and him just making plays. Um, but, I mean, you've got somebody like him. You know, we mentioned Tysheem Johnson. You know, hard to not make the Honey Badger, the Mike Hilton-type comparison there. Just the little undersized, but just, you know, always around the football. Um, I talked to Tysheem a couple weeks ago. He said he's up to 195 now. So he, he's getting ready for Power 5 football. And, and those types of dudes, you get them on campus in January, you get them acclimated to the weight room, to a nutrition plan, and, and to, you know, practicing. I mean, these guys are going to benefit from bowl practice, which I think is is huge going into next season yeah yeah actually it's interesting you brought up jacob springer i mean uh if you think about like he'll be a senior right but Mm -hmm. uh he had i just looked up his stats at at navy uh last season he had 69 tackles Mm -hmm. uh he had 16 tackles for loss including eight sacks and he had seven QB hurries on top of that. Um, now, you may be like, "Well, Navy, right? Like they, you know, they don't play anybody." But yeah, I mean, they're a good group of five conference. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, they played Notre Dame and Southern Miss and Memphis, and uh, you know, they. I, I said I, should, I said Southern Miss. I'm at SMU. Uh, yeah. And Same uh, thing, then they, right? Yeah. Then they beat K State. In uh, in a bowl game to go eleven and two while he was there. I mean that's yeah that's pretty solid. Yeah, um, you did mention him, but I do want to give props Trey Washington. I think that's another guy that's going to surprise a lot of people. Him and um, oh me too. Demarco Williams, both five eleven, one eighty five. Um, another guy that played high level football, six uh, A football in Alabama, is extremely competitive. Hewitt Trustful, really 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 good high school football program there. <clears throat> played a ton of snaps there the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, guy that committed in July and everybody just, you know, kind of forgot about him. Um, but I think that uh, he will p- be a pleasant surprise when he gets on campus. Probably an, a, a dude that's going to, you know, need to play a lot of special teams and, and kind of, you know, get accustomed to playing Power 5 football. But, I mean, all the tools are there for a guy like that. Um, anything else defensively before we move on? Uh, just... <laughs> I mean, uh, you've said it, but man, really frustrating about linebacker. I, I'm not like sky is falling about that position or anything mm-hmm. like that, but uh, I know they're pursuing Trevin Wallace who could yeah. sign could sign in February. That would of course change everything, but sure. they got, they got to either get him or a, uh, or a transfer at that position. Have you seen Trevin Wallace's film in high school? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, so, so the dude is is a freak. Um, yeah, he's I guess technically a two sport, but I mean I kind of look at it as like a like a quad sport guy because he does multiple things in, in track, um, shot put, high jump, long jump. He runs a hundred meter. Um, actually played running back a lot uh, at, for Wayne County this year. I think he ran for I think it was a playoff game, maybe maybe in his last game. Ran for three hundred plus and four touchdowns. Um, and a loss, um, just a, yeah, th- that's the guy you want 
I mean, the guy that's the guy that's outrunning people in Georgia high school football at that size. I mean, yeah, they could they could rectify a lot of things if they sign him in February. Um, yeah, they're they're going to hit the transfer market. They're gonna they're gonna look for some guys. You know, Lane mentioned it in his press conference, and, and you know, I hadn't actually thought about this, but it's a good point. You know, they have a lot of linebackers on the roster coming back, so um, not a ton of spots there. They they weren't looking to really load up at linebacker, and I think that Lane is is kind of trusting. DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge to kind of build on another year in the system and trying to get these guys. And like you said, with the added, you know, with the additions on the defensive line, you know that if you improve defensive line play, it's going to help the linebackers because if you can take on blockers, take on double teams, that's going to help the linebackers be able to run free because they haven't been able to run free at all this year because bless their hearts, the defensive line has not been able to do any of that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, there there were some promising linebackers heading into this season uh, mm-hmm. at, at Ole Miss. And then a lot of those guys, you know, quote unquote, did nothing. Uh, and I, I don't think it's just totally unrelated to all the losses on the defensive line uh, that that helped make them look better a year ago. Yeah. And, you know, there's a guy that they signed last year. It was actually Lane Kiffin's first face-to-face visit as a head coach. Uh, Jack Brown from Horn Lake. I I think he's going to be a factor in the two deep, uh, to put it lightly. Um, I, I mentioned being on the field for the Egg Bowl. Um, Jack Brown is not small. Um, he is large. And uh, he's played on some special teams. So he can run. Played a lot of tight end at Horn Lake too. So you know he's athletic. So I, I, I I'm very, very anxious to see what he can do. A year in the weight room, a year on a nutrition plan with Wilson Love and and learning the system. So yeah, it's a bummer. You know, obviously flipping Junior Colson, a top 100 linebacker, would have been great. Um, John Lewis, a guy that I think probably needs a year to get used to Power Five. But I mean, hard to coach six four two twenty five. That'd have been nice, um, but like you said, uh, sky's not falling. All is not lost there. But all right, no, so we're gonna I take- mean, uh, sorry, r- real quick no, before we take a break. Uh, you think about like how promising Lakia Henry and uh, Sam Williams were when Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney were still on the team. Uh, you know, able to able to really make a difference, and right. without without them, they struggled. Uh, that's not necessarily on them. Yeah. Well, you add a guy like Isaiah Iton, then you get Jamon Gordon in there. It's going to help a lot, to say the least. Um, all right, so we're going to take our break. When we come back, after the word from our sponsors, we're going to get to the offensive side of the ball. And uh, I think I can speak for uh, for Juco here. Pretty excited to talk about this group. It's uh, it's a, a great foundation for uh, 2021 and beyond. So quick break to hear from our sponsors that make all of this possible. Hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? 
All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going... Be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe running it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold, classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion, talking with Juco All-American about early signing day 2020. 
All right, Juco, we talked all defense first segment. Second segment, let's get over to the other side of the football. We can go ahead and start at the top. The two headliners, two big flips. Hudson Wolf, the Savannah-Tennessee tight end flip from Tennessee, and then Luke Altmeyer, the Starkville, Mississippi native, flipping from Florida State to Ole Miss. I, I, we, we don't have to really mince words here. These are uh, two incredible, incredible signees for this class. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think like, you know, Yaboa has now opted out uh, mm. of, the, of the rest of the games. Um, and so there's no question. You know, people had talked about like, well, what if he comes back next year to try to improve his blocking or something like that? That's not happening. You know, you don't you don't opt out to come back next year. Um, yeah. And so then you've got like, I think Casey Kelly is actually pretty good. Uh, I think Chase Rogers has played a lot and shown some some fine stuff. Uh, but it's not like there's an heir apparent and Hudson Wolf yeah. could be, could be that heir apparent, uh, if, yeah. if he's kind of what, and, what people expect him to be. Yeah. And then, you know, the uncertainty around Demarcus Thomas after the unfortunate, you know, scare that they had at practice, which, you know, thank God he's okay. Um, but you know, he was on the sideline for the egg bowl, wasn't dressed out, but how's he going to be able to bounce back? I mean, they expect him to be okay. Um, he's already gone through all the rehab and stuff and passed all the tests. They think he's going to be fine. And I think that they were extremely high on him coming out of high school as a four-star signee that they held on to during the transition class. But, you know, you don't really know. So it's, it's awfully nice to sign a four-star that's six six two thirty five. 235. Um, and you know, Hudson is a huge guy with the, you know, the frame that I just mentioned, but I mean, an impressive catch radius for a guy that's that big, um, he's pretty athletic and, you know, you, you turn on the tape and, and he, he does a lot of things that, uh, that you like to see on Saturday when he gets to Oxford. Yeah. I mean, he definitely like, I, obviously I've only seen his highlights, so he could look very different on plays that don't make highlight films, but he looks like he has super soft hands. Um, he's definitely more, <laughs> if, if tight ends have to be compared to either Evan Ingram or Jason Witten, He's more Jason Witten than he is Evan Ingram, but yeah. I'm not saying he's Jason Witten. Uh, but yeah, Jason I mean, Witten uh, also from Tennessee. That's right. No, uh, it, it's it's funny actually. Looking back, like I remember when Hudson Wolf was just holding firm to his his Tennessee commitment. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, like, is he dumb? <laughs> like, how does he not see the opportunity that he has? Like, oh, Ole Miss has this. Tight end, they throw to all the time, give him tons of chances, and like he's suddenly in generating NFL draft buzz. Tennessee is going to fire uh, Jeremy Pruitt at some point, and uh, also never uses their tight end anyway. Like, yeah. what is he thinking? And f- finally, one time that I've had that thought about a recruit, he was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm not dumb. You're dumb for yeah. thinking I'm dumb. I'm I'm <laughs> signing with Ole Miss." Yeah, he figured it out. Yeah, you know, I talked to a lot of people up here. Uh, in middle Tennessee and talk to some folks around the Tennessee program. You know, there were a couple of people that actually said that they're like, man, I don't know what this kid sees, but I guess he just likes Tennessee. Cause I, they're going to, you know, they're not stupid. They, they see the product on the field and, you know, can you name a Tennessee tight end right now? Cause I can't, um, no, I mean, they don't use them. So no. I, good on, you know, Joe, John Finley and, and Jeff Levy to stay on him and to keep recruiting him. Ole Miss was in it before he committed to Tennessee um, and look, Savannah, Tennessee is pretty close to, to Corinth. So it's right there pretty close to the, to the border. So 
it's closer to home. And then, yeah, like you said, very tight end friendly offense. And, you know, Finley, you know, mentioned him and, you know, he said he's, he's kind of like your traditional every down tight end, like very good on, you know, you know, on the, on the inline stuff, he he blocks well, um, but then he can also get out and catch the football. You know, we already talked about how big he is at six, six, that's a hell of a target. And then, you know, a guy that I think is probably going to be pretty hungry when he gets on campus, he misses an, uh, wasn't his entire senior season. I think he played a couple games, but he had just a minor uh, back surgery. Um, nothing too minor invasive. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy <laughs> to say that um, with modern medicine. But, um, but yeah, he'll be fine. Um, but, I mean, again, like the offer sheet speaks for itself. Everybody wanted this guy. He was he, – he got, he got kind of knocked off the, the number one tight end in the country just because – I think it was because he didn't play his senior year. Um, so, you know <laughs> – Lane Kiffin had to settle for the number two tight end in the country. But yeah, that's a huge deal because like you said, Yaboa's gone and you're going to have another guy coming in that's bigger than Yaboa and can uh, can hit the ground running once he gets to Oxford. So um, we mentioned Luke Altmeyer. Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on him. I got to see him at Elite 11 earlier this summer. Uh, you know, honestly took the drive up there to to take a look. I knew that Ole Miss was not going to stop recruiting him, so I figured, hey, what the hell, I'll go up there and look. I came away extremely impressed. Um, you know, outside of the the obvious NFL arm talent, a lot of Matt Corral in him, good feet, throws well off platform, makes all the throws, really accurate. Um, and then just the intangibles, uh, you know, Mike Farrell of, of Rivals, I was talking to him and you know, he's like, man, he's got a lot of stuff he's, that you can't coach. You know, he's a he's a he's a good leader. Um, and we hell, we saw off the field how good of a leader he was. He was pretty instrumental in putting the finishing touches on this 2020 early signing day class. He had some coattails. Um, you know, w- what do you what do you think Ole Miss is getting in in Altmaier? Well, I mean, on the field, I actually didn't allow myself to uh, to watch his highlight tape until or his highlight film i shouldn't say tape it's not like 1988 um his highlight film until <laughs> until uh he committed because i just never thought that yeah. we would be we would be able to flip him from florida state and i whenever we're I have a pipe dream kind of guy we're going after he's already committed to a a good program i have a rule that i won't watch their film um but no he's amazing uh he is he is super good i think that he is in a very advanced offense for Mississippi high school football, uh, which is, you know, awesome. I think he can make, you know, most throws that we would ask him to make. Like you said, he, he doesn't have the same, I think, I know arm, arm talent is like the, the key buzzword, but I just think he doesn't have the arm strength that Matt Corral has and probably doesn't have like the ability to sidearm while running away uh, and still be pretty accurate. Um, so we know he doesn't have that. I think the question that we don't know yet is, you know, Matt Corral is a brilliant football mind. He's not just a, Mm -hmm. you know, a a good arm or a good system quarterback or something like that. He, he knows what he's looking at. He knows how to pick apart a defense and knows what to expect before the snap even happens. We don't know yet whether Luke Galtmeyer has that or, or can be taught that, um, you know, that's definitely the way that Lebby and Kiffin think and the way that they talk in every interview that you ever see. Uh, you know, their post games are always amazing because they mm-hmm. 
really pick things apart in ways that most coaches don't, you know, most coaches are like, Oh yeah, we got out there, played, you know, liked what we saw, that kind of stuff. They're talking about like one individual play, what they saw a safety doing the clip, the play before and all that. I mean, if Luke Altmaier can think that so, so cerebrally, uh, then I think we've got a really great quarterback, uh, uh committed to us or signing with us. Yeah. He, you know, it, and look, I'm not going to hold it against him as a senior because it was a weird year with COVID and some cancellations. I think Starkville had to actually take a couple weeks off um, with some contact tracing in their locker room. But, I mean, the the junior stats speak for themselves. Uh, I believe they got to the state championship game. He, he kind of lit everybody up as a junior. And that was when, you know, he kind of, the, the buzz around him started. But, yeah, I mean, just a tremendous job. Uh, you know, he committed to Florida State because his relationship with Mike Norvell started when Norvell was at Memphis, and then he gets the FSU job. He commits super early. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Levy and Kiffin. They never let up. They stayed after him. And, and you know, it's – I'd be lying if I said it didn't feel good to get another, you know, blue-chip guy out of Starkville. Um, it's the second time it's happened. AJ, <laughs> AJ let Luke know, you know, hey, the last guy that, that – that came out of Starkville that went to Ole Miss did uh, did okay. So you've got some some shoes to fill. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, the heir apparent to Matt Corral. He's going to come in next season, um, learn under Matt, learn the system, kind of get in that, in that, you know, in that workshop with Levy and they're going to, you know, really get into the, the X's and O's and he'll be ready for 2022. Um, and look, he'll probably get to play a little bit next year um, in some, you know, some blowout scenarios, but um, yeah, Really big get right there at quarterback. It's nice to really solidify uh, the next uh, the next guy up because you know I I think we all know the guys that are on the roster right now aren't going to be the future at quarterback. Um, so that was big. Um, all right, let's move on to wide receiver. Um, we also have a couple names we're going to talk about after the signees that um, we anticipate joining this class. But man, another bang up job by this by the staff. I mean, Braylon Brown. Out of St. Thomas Aquinas, you've got uh, Brandon Buckhalter. We already talked about, and then uh, JJ Henry. I know you're big on JJ, super of, big, uh, out of Texas. Um, we're talking about heir parents. Um, he's going to be the next uh, Elijah Moore in this offense, or you know, well, attempt to be. Um, now, no, I, I mean he's he's one of the players that we signed that I'm most excited about. Like he's a top five signee to me. Yeah, and I know. He's, I think he's only a three star on on both of the primary services. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I I don't really care. His film is no just not not so good. Well, and and you know JJ's you know some extenuating circumstances for that. Um, you know he's another guy like Altmaier that just absolutely blew up as a junior. Um, I believe he had close to seventeen hundred yards receiving, double digit touchdowns at McKinney North. Um, I don't know if you've been able to to see the piece from the Dallas Morning News. Um. The, the guy who did it completely drawn a blank on his name, but it's, it's a fantastic read. Um, his senior season was tough, um, lost his mother to cancer. And then, uh, his best friend, um, unfortunately drowned in just an accident. Um, so he had a lot. Um, and then on top of that, uh, McKinney North had some quarterback issues. So he, he had a lot of things going against him as a senior, but, um, yeah, he's a dude that's, um, I, I know you've, you've, you, you you've gotten into his film a lot once he committed, but as a as a high school senior, some of the best route running that I've ever seen. Oh, and so like, 
I think that it's not very common to see someone who is whose high school film is both super silky smooth and also explosive in and out of 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 breaks. Yeah, I, I think that you know typically if you're describing someone's a receiver's route running in high school as like smooth, it's not sloppy, but more like uh, a lot more curvature, I guess, to like to, yeah, yeah. to cuts and stuff like that. It's like you, that like you, not, you say, like they're rounding off the route. Yeah, exactly. That is not at all the case with him, man. Like he he also just I don't know his shoulders say things to corners that then cause them to bite and. I don't know. I just think he's doing like super next level stuff already, and I can't wait to see what he does uh, in a in a college program that really knows how to utilize him. Not that McKinney North is bad. I, I know that's a that's a pretty decent program. So yeah, yeah, super crafty. Uh, like you mentioned, the using the body to to kind of lull defensive backs to sleep before you know hitting a hitting a seven route or something like that. Yeah, I'm excited for for Henry. Um, you know, look, three star player. Uh, on paper, but five star hair, um, got great, great afro. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Henry as well. We, we already talked about Buckhalter, uh, you know, talks of him playing a little safety, but man, look, I know he Hartfield Academy is not the best competition, but he is just, uh, an absolute nightmare to cover. Um, you know, Derek Nix talks about him, talks about how he plays with a little attitude. Um, it's hard to be a receiver, it's coming to Ole Miss and not be compared to Laquan and Moncrief and, and AJ and DK. Um, I don't really know who he reminds me of. Um, I, 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 I think his, his mannerisms remind me of AJ, just kind of that effortless kind of gliding when he's running. He doesn't look like he's running really hard, mm-hmm. but he just runs away from people. But he, he's, you know, we talk about Henry being crafty. I mean, Brandon, it, knows how to use his body in one-on-one situations. Um, he's big. He, he's got some broad shoulders. Uh, you know, whether, whether he plays offense or not, when he gets to Oxford, I, if he plays, if he plays receiver, I'm excited for him. I think he's got a uh, tremendous upside. Yeah, I, I like him. I mean, he's huge. He and Braylon Brown are both, you know, that very prototypical outside receiver who is, you know, six, three, six, four, 200 and something pounds uh and you know Ole Miss honestly really has needed to get some of those guys uh mm-hmm. I mean we have a whole bunch of dudes who are 6'1 uh and yeah. that's fine I you know I'm not trying been to doing it this year without guys. a big outside presence yeah but imagine you know if there was a major threat on the outside to take pressure off uh of elijah moore and and kenny yaboa there hasn't really been that i mean i think jonathan mingo could be that player but he's you know we're talking about a guy who's gonna who's entering into his third year next year and has not shown that he can take over yet he has an opportunity to against lsu i guess absolutely he had some showed some signs against kentucky he had a really good game um early in the season uh, I'll say this about Braylon, um, Jugo. If if I could have everybody just model their recruitment after Braylon Brown, that would be incredible. Oh yeah, commit in April. Never talk to anybody else. You're done. Zero zero drama. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I ever ask him a question, reach out to him, responds. But just yeah, 
committed early, held firm, signed. Zero drama. Like, please, everybody just do what Braylon did and it would be it would be an easy job. Um, but yeah, I mean, you talk about guys that get lost in the shuffle because they commit so early. I mean, Braylon's the second highest rated signee in this class. I, they're extremely excited about him. Um, explosive, you know, talk about big, you know, very physical, long, you know, kind of does a little bit of everything outside, inside. He's got a lot of that A.J. Brown in him where they can use him in the slot to kind of expose some slower linebackers and then he can get on the outside and burn people with some speed. So uh, I personally think Braylon's going to play next year. Well, I, you know, there, there's plenty of, of opportunity for snaps. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that there, we go into next year with no one as a certain, a certainty in terms of what their role will be at receiver. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I like Braylon, Braylon Brown. I think that, of course, he's he's big. It looks like he can make uh, contested catches, which is awesome. Um, you know, he's not absurdly fast or anything, but he's also 6'3", so, you know, you don't necessarily expect that unless it's DK Metcalf. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think he'll be really good. I, I uh, Again, like he's super highly rated. A bunch of coaches think he's great. I also think he's very good. Uh, I think that his his cuts, I guess, are not quite as sharp as maybe uh, I would want to see. But again, like he could he can be taught how to do that stuff. People said the same thing about DK Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So, last thing before we move to offensive line. Uh, I alluded to a couple names out there. Um, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Uh, Quay Davis, the Juco receiver out of Itawamba Community College, and then Malik McLean, uh, Markevious Brown's teammate at IMG Academy. Um, both of them are expected to sign. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's either already happened or it's going to happen soon. Uh, both are planning to announce on Friday. Um, two very different receivers, but two excellent additions to a 2021 class that uh, could push them into the top 15 potentially. I haven't done the calculations yet, but nevertheless, two guys, uh, I think Quay Davis, you know, a little bit older could come in and play right away in the slot, could play on the outside. And then McLean is just a monster. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of work I'm assigning to you, which is uh, when you post this on red cup, I want you to also post the huddle of Quay Davis. Uh, any of I think he has three videos. Okay. Any of the three, any of the three, but I think the third one is the best. They're all very long, so you have tons of film that you can really evaluate and and observe him play. Uh, I think they're each like seven minutes long or something like that. Uh, and I want people to be able to watch it because he's come out of nowhere. Like you know, he's. I think uh, what two weeks ago he was unranked on rivals. Uh, I mean, and suddenly he has offers from like Florida state, uh, man, I don't even remember all the, all the, um, if you watch his film, I think you'll understand why, like I've, I've never fancied myself to be some awesome scout or something like that, but he's one of those players that like, when you watch his film, you go, Oh, that, that guy's a really good football player. Uh, and I think that it's, the thing that makes it so obvious is that he gets the ball like immediately. And then at six, one over 200 pounds, 
he's the like make them miss make great cuts with the ball in your hands kind of guy uh which a lot of times if you're if you're a receiver who's over six feet tall especially in junior college it's about like getting the ball and then you know anything you do past that is gravy uh what you see with him is like shiftiness and really understanding having great vision with the ball and all that to be able to make uh screens turn into huge plays or even like a two-yard drag or something like that turn into an enormous play over and over again so yeah please watch it yeah i I really pleasantly pleasantly surprised with what i saw um yeah i mean a pretty savvy guy you know all, all little Fongo jokes aside, he's just he's just kind of one of those dudes like just just get open, we'll get you the ball, and then you just do the rest. Um, yeah, yeah, yak is is a big thing with Davis. Um, dangerous in the open field, has some sneaky speed. Uh, I think it he will be someone that they will count on next season to fill the shoes of uh, some of the the guys that um, were unable to make plays this year or may not be there next season. Um, but yeah, I mean, six one two ten. That, that'll get it done. Whether it's in the slot or on the outside. Um, talking about McLean, uh, I mean, we've already mentioned AJ and, and DK on this show. Uh, not 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 quite there to, to DK's standard, um, which not many people are. But at six five one ninety five, um, just an absolute problem on the outside. Um, did a lot of. A lot of jump ball, a lot of uh, red zone type stuff at IMG, but um, you know his former OC at Daphne uh, High School in Alabama, where he's originally from, uh, said that he was he was going to be the next Julio Jones, which is more insane elite company. But I mean, on paper, you know, as they say, you can't teach six five one ninety five. Yeah. Uh- I mean, the only comp to DK Metcalf is Calvin Johnson, and that is no longer like a crazy thing to compare. Uh, so Malik McLean, I'm not going to do that to him, but you know he is definitely surprisingly fast for a guy who's six five, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that whenever you have a combination of height and good speed, you just take that guy. Like it doesn't really matter anything else, uh, and and you see if it's going to work. And I think that, you know, he's he's got a lot of things suggesting it'll work. Again, like coming from IMG, similar with Markevious Brown, uh, and what we've seen, what we continue to see in IMG prospects is like they're going to show up on campus already understanding how essentially to act like a professional, mm-hmm. how, you know, how to go about their business. They have been already coached on an elite level. They've been trained on elite, an elite level. Uh, they understand how to juggle school and the demands of very legitimate athletics. Uh, and so, of course, you don't have like the same exact level of adjustment that you do see for so many other players. It'll be interesting to see if if things like that and, you know, we don't uh, we don't know anything about what his work ethic is like or if he's a guy. You know, I have a story about Patrick Willis, actually, when Patrick Willis was in undergrad as like a junior uh some of the football players were going to go to this party and they were like, Hey man, uh, we're going to this party this weekend uh, on Saturday. Do you want to, you want to come? And he was like, no, I'm going to be doing, uh, doing pushups in my room. (laughs) Uh, and so like, you never know, like who knows, 
which, which guys that we've just signed will be doing anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he does, if he, if he really devotes himself, he's got the frame that you need to be uh, an elite type of, of receiver. No, that's an excellent point. And, you know, we talk about the, the acclimation process of, you know, going from, you know, high school, not only to college, but to the power five level and how you're, you're essentially going from, you know, the big fish in the small pond to, you know, the small fish in the big pond and, and you know, all the, all that. But look, I, you mentioned the IMG thing. And I mean, that's huge because those dudes are essentially on a, you know, college type, you know, curriculum and, and a training program. You know, they, they're essentially living in dorms. They're, they're on a quote unquote campus. They're, they're, they're already grooming them to be student athletes. So that's huge. And, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a comp, you know, I don't want to put the DK thing on him, but maybe with the speed, um, not that DK doesn't have it, but kind of a little bit, a little, little bit of Randy Moss. Um, you know, he's not super thick, but you know, Moss was a guy that was a little lanky, but could just run. Um, there's a couple of highlights out there. If you look on Twitter and on YouTube, uh, I believe it was when IMG played at Ranger Stadium. They played Duncanville, um, very, very good high school program out of Texas. And uh, he had a one-on-one ball down the sideline, jumped over the DB, snatched it away from him. And then there were, you know, there was like a linebacker and a safety that had angles on him in pursuit. And he just ran away from all of them. And uh, the only guy that was able to shove him out of bounds was the safety that was already like 20 yards downfield that was just kind of waiting on him. But just an impressive specimen to be able to pull away from guys like that. And, you know, um, Chris Partridge talked about, you know, like like short space quickness and things like that. When you're 6'5", 195, and you have that kind of short space quickness, that's that's elite. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that in terms of style of play, Randy Moss is a good comp. Of course, Randy Moss is like one of the top five receivers of all time. So we don't want to put that to him. But, you know, and I also don't know anything about like his leaping ability, uh, Mm -hmm. which is one thing, one thing that Randy Moss really had. Uh, But yeah, he's definitely that like fight you for the ball kind of kind of receiver, which Mm -hmm. you always love to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last, but certainly not least before we uh, before we close up shop here. Big signee, no jokes aside here. Big signee, Caden Costa, the kicker uh, from Mandeville, Louisiana. I'll say this, Juco, anytime that you can ink a high school kicker that makes 50 plus yarders on the reg, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's one of the things about like so many other positions are really hard to project. But kicking, like it's it's a fifty yarder, regardless of whether it's a college game or SEC or anything like that. Like, if you can make it from fifty, you can make it from fifty. Uh, and you know, Ole Miss has struggled in the kicking game recently, and it makes sense to to use a a scholarship on him. I think that uh, we also skipped over the offensive line. Oh, we did, we did. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I will I mean, say. I, Real quick on Caden Costa, um, this is kicking off ground too. In high school, you can use a tee. Caden doesn't need it, kicking off ground. So he's already ready for, uh, for mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. No. Uh, so in terms of offensive linemen to, to wrap up who we already have, I mean, I think that all of them are the like good frame 
come in probably red shirt kind of guys uh mm-hmm. in Micah Pettis, Cedric Nicely and Jaden Williams. Mm-hmm. Um we don't really have a need uh on the offensive line. Like of course we you know if one of them was Laramie Tunsil, then sure he fills a need. Uh and you know maybe there's a Laramie Tunsil. There's probably not in this entire class, but maybe there is. I don't I don't feel like Ole Miss probably signed that guy. Um, but all these guys make sense and, you know, will be counted on in a year, two years, three years down the road. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, uh, the signee list nicely, six, five, three Oh five, Michael Pettis, six, seven, three twenty, Jaden Williams, six, five to 60, all huge. Um, and I mean, Pettis is the biggest one at six, seven, three twenty. Um, all have good feet. Uh, it's weird, you know. Cedric Nicely, six five, three hundred five, but he uh, he wears it well. He doesn't look huge. He's uh, he's pretty slim at six five. That that weight spread out. Uh, Jade Williams is the one that's that's kind of sneaky here uh, from Conway, Arkansas. He's a two sport guy, plays basketball. So I think the the staff was attracted to that. He's got some good feet. He's athletic, and then uh, at six five two sixty, he plays some tight end there too. Um, he didn't actually move full time to offensive line until a couple games into his senior season, and then uh, he was offered pretty much immediately by uh, Missouri, Ole Miss, and uh, a couple other Power Five schools. And then uh, Sam Pittman—they they never extended an offer, but Sam Pittman had him on his radar. So if Sam Pittman likes you as an offensive lineman, then that uh, that speaks volumes. Yeah, the question for him is going to be: Can he get to two ninety, three hundred, uh, starting at two sixty? You know, there have been plenty of guys with good feet who are undersized and just can't ever really get the weight on, uh, mm-hmm. which I I wish that was a problem for me, uh, getting weight on. That would be that'd be fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, hell, we we covered it all. We uh, we touched on everyone. Um, so I, I, if you want to give a grade out, I think uh, I think a solid A. I want to go a plus because they missed on a couple key spots, but I, I feel comfortable giving them an a with the COVID season, no official visits, no face to face. They address a lot of needs on defense. I think a solid a is, uh, is, is fair, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what you're, what you're grading, like the grading if, an scale. A, if an a plus is the class that had Kim Dietschy and, Treadwell and Tunsil and all that in it, then no, it's not an A because it's not close to that. But I think that if you're thinking about like where they came from, where the coaching coaching staff came from, what they were, you know, set in motion coming in, the COVID being, you know, new to the game in terms of uh, what Ole Miss had to offer and all that, uh, then they definitely earn an A uh, if, if we're thinking about context. Um, because they, the only thing they missed on, in my opinion, is linebacker and they've got some chances to make that better. And, you know, they also have next year to try to make it better. This is not a one year. Everything's great. We're going to compete for a championship next year kind of team. It wasn't going to be regardless of whether they signed John Lewis. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's an opportunity for next season, but yeah, definitely an A in my opinion. Yeah, um, 
uh, like you said at the top of the show, pleasantly, um, well, pleased, uh, pleasantly pleased. That's that's a little little much, but yeah, absolutely pleased with with how they closed. And then we touched on Coy Davis and Malik McLean. They add those two on Friday. Um, not too bad. And then hell, we we've got a couple minutes. We can we can talk about Taiwan Malone. You do that in February, and you're looking at a legitimate A class. Um, I'm of the opinion that they have a humongous lead right now um, with Taiwan. The same thing, yeah. Um, the baseball staff, you can't say enough about what Mike Bianco and, and Carl Lafferty, Mike Clement have done with him. He's a legitimate two-sport guy. He wants to play both. Ole Miss um, clearly has a lot to offer from a baseball program standpoint. One of the uh, top programs in the country. Uh, the only people that are really going to be making any noise in this is probably going to be um, A&M and Florida State. I don't know how much Tennessee's in it with uh, they fired Brumball during the middle of the season. Um, I think that right now Ole Miss is sitting um, awfully pretty at the top for his signature. I, that's a that's a bona fide top 100 defensive tackle day one guy. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss hasn't, hasn't signed a, a defensive tackle of his caliber in quite some time. Seven and years. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, like he's very athletic for a defensive tackle, but also not small, which is a pretty great <laughs> yeah. combination. Yeah, he, he's been timed in like 12 seconds in legging out a triple in baseball. So you uh, you can uh, you can do the math there. Yeah. Taiwan. Um, Looking him up right quick. Uh, didn't have it pulled up. He but, also played um, tight end some uh, in high school. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Look him up. There's there's highlights of him. They split him out wide and throw a fade to him. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, 6'4", 300. So, um, also, doesn't hurt to sign a guy out of Bergen Catholic out of New Jersey. That's a uh, that's a high school program that, that churns him out. So, um, go ahead and get a footprint in there. But, well, and we've, and we've already had some luck in New Jersey. So, you know, if yeah. we can make that, if we can make that a major pipeline kind of thing, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, that's going to do it for the uh, early signing day 2020 recap. Uh, Ole Miss, like I said, at the start of the show, 18th in the country right now. Going to move up a, a little bit um, on Friday with a couple additions. And then uh, in February, Possibly adding two, maybe three, depending on the numbers. Um, but Juco, we'll have you back on in February to uh, to recap that and uh, start looking ahead to 2022. It's never That's too good. early. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, make sure to tune in to our Legal Gambling Council Championship Week edition. We will have our picks to you. Uh, also recorded another podcast with uh, – Ian Kreitzer of uh, McKenzie Golf Bags. It was it was it was a little little one off, but also we talked a lot of Ole Miss. He's an Ole Miss alum, uh, so we talked a little golf in the beginning, but then we broke down the LSU game, previewed that for you. Um, so make sure to listen to all of that. Make sure to stay locked in at redcuprebellion.com. Post signing day coverage, basketball coverage is getting cranked up. The Rebels are four and zero after a road victory over Middle Tennessee. Um, dare I say? incredibly fun. Uh, I believe it was our own legal gambling council. Austin Gray said that the basketball team plays like Iowa plays football. And I love that. 
Also, women's basketball is really good. So watch them. Undefe- undefeated as well. Yeah. Yeah. So not even yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. The pavilion is rocking right now, even though there's nobody in there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Juco, appreciate it. This was fun. We'll do it again in a couple months. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, we out.